The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Hello and welcome to The Drinking Hour from Food FM, episode 29, a special programme dedicated to Carver, the Meds sparkling wine. Next week is Carver Discovery Week, so we'll hear about its history how it's made, what makes it distinctive, and its pairing potential with the president of the DO Carver, Javier Pages, and also Master of Wine, Derso Viana Jr. Plus, as ever, some recommendations for medal-winning Carvers from the IWSC. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. Carver is the Mediterranean's sparkling wine made by the traditional method. Much like champagne, it has its own personality using mostly different grape varieties. There's a range of styles thanks to the diversity of terroir from which it comes. Over this edition of The Drinking Hour, we'll explore those geographic differences, Carver's rich history, the importance of that traditional method character and its gastronomic promise as well as finding out more about the recent sweeping changes to how Carver is regulated, aimed at helping consumers navigate the category. Later, we'll be joined by Dursi Vienna Jr., a master of wine and a Carver expert. But first, I'm delighted to say we're joined uh, from Spain by Javier Pages, the president of the DO Carver Regulatory Board. Um, Javier, uh, thank you ever so much for joining us on The Drinking Hour today. Thank you very much. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. Uh, let's start then with what I described as that rich history of Carver. When did the first examples of it appear? And when did it actually become known as Carver? Well, it, it happened in the, in the 19th century. Uh, so in 1872, uh, when the first bottles of Cava you know, came into market. Uh, previously to those uh, years, there had been uh, lots of... Uh, works and experimentation by doing cava with the traditional method, that's uh, with the second fermentation in the bottle. And finally, it was in 1872 that uh, cava first appeared in the marketplace. And since then, since then it started uh, growing uh, in the Spanish market first, but uh, about by the end of that century already, it uh, started uh, to be uh, exported as well at the very beginning to some um, uh, Spain-related uh, countries like uh, Central America and South America, uh, but then later on uh, uh, already to France and, uh, and other European countries. The name Cava, that means cave, does it? That's right. So Cava started in 1872, but at the very beginning the name wasn't used as, as that officially because um, there wasn't regulation uh, in, in Europe in many countries about who you could use the terminology of champagne. So cava was called champagne, uh, the word the Spanish pronounced that in Spain. So we, we knew cava as uh, champagne. And then um, later on uh, when uh, there was a Spain agreements between uh, among different countries of the European unions, Union, and then the, the name of Champagne was forbidden to be used by, by any, anyone, any other country, but of course, France and Champagne, uh, the origin. 
And then later on, Cava continued to be used as Method and Champenoise. But this terminology also uh, was put to an end. And finally, Cava in 1972 came with its own name, which was Cava. And Cava came out, as you said, very at the very beginning from caves. Most of the, the bottles were uh, having, having the second fermentation in the caves. So when they were thinking about names, it came very natural uh, to them that that should be the name. It does uh, make a huge amount of sense uh, when you think about the way that uh, uh, traditional method uh, sparkling wine has uh, historically been uh, produced. And uh, it's a, a lovely, easy name across different languages uh, to be able to uh, remember and to pronounce. So actually a, a, a very good name, I think. Uh, let, let's talk about the, the geography, because Carver is very unusual in that uh, the DO that you lead is not one a contiguous area as as most wine regions tend to be it's actually quite a disparate uh, area with a number of different quite significantly different uh, geographical areas isn't it uh, yes that's exactly the the case cava uh, uh, has um, uh, it's a dio that means a dio is denomination uh, the origin origin of origin and so clearly uh, it cannot be produced anywhere in Spain. It can only, can only be produced out of vineyards, uh, out of graves, coming from specific towns. And, uh, but the towns, they are not all of them are contiguous in one single territory, but uh, there are uh, four major territories. Uh, that then it can also be split a little bit. Uh, there is one major territory in the northeast of Spain, another one in the central east of Spain, and another one on the southwest of Spain, and another one on the northwest of Spain. Each one has a different, uh, as of today, because we previously, the grapes could come from any of these towns, and then you, you could be called Cava if you uh, were with a traditional method. But as of today, we also distinguish the regions and have put names to the regions. So maybe later on, if you want, I can, I can explain a little bit more about that. But yes, it's different regions with different climates and, uh, and characteristics. And let's talk about uh, th those regions then, because uh, the capital of Carva, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, I may not, uh, Sansoduni Denoya, uh, is uh, really important as the kind of uh, home of Carva, the spiritual home, if you like, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, you pronounce Sansanida, no? Yeah, much better than I pronounce uh, the, the English language. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, Sansanida, no? Yeah, is the, the capital of Cava, is the town that gathers most of the settlers. So that means it's very important because it's part of its history. The first bottles of Cava, uh, as we were talking before, in 1972, were produced in San Sadurnida, no? yeah. and today there we have many, many houses, uh, though there is not the only town, and they're also in the same region, there are quite a few other cellars split around the region. Villafranca del Penedes is another one, and yes, it's where most of the cava is being produced. In fact, uh, about 95% of cava is being produced in, in that specific uh, region and uh, surrounded somehow 
So that is the main uh, region. Just talk us through the four regions and what makes them interesting and exciting. Yes, uh, the regions are, if we go southwest of Spain, we would have uh, a region that's called Viñas de Almendralejo. Viñas means vineyards. The Almendralejo is the, is the, is the region. And it's a region that uh, has a continental climate but is farther south in Spain, and um, geographically speaking, is nearby Extremadura. They have their own, their own uh, uh, characteristics there. Uh, the main uh, varieties that they're using there is Macabeo and Charello. And, uh, and then we will have another region that's, uh, if we go now east, and uh, that's center east, it's a region that's uh, the main town that would be uh, around, would be Palencia, for those that... Uh, that know more a little bit of the uh, Spanish geography. Uh, but it's not in Valencia itself. You have to go up inland to a higher area. So it's an area of 600 meters of altitude. Uh, and again, there the main, the main varieties they have is Macabeo. And also they, they have planted some Chardonnay and, and some Pinot Noir. And it's an, an area that also uh, is the area of Requena. Then if we go north, and that would be the third major territory. Uh, it's, it's scattered through different uh, towns, as I was saying before. And they taught, uh, one of the towns is in the Rioja region. Another town is in the Basque country, also in the Rioja region, but uh, it's Basque uh, territory. And another one is in Navarra. So it's scattered uh, uh, among these three territories uh, with, with different characteristics. And then there is another one that's closer to Zaragoza, uh, that's called uh, Viñas del Cierzo. And uh, so it has its own characteristics, and there is also Macabeo, but they also use some uh, Carnacha. And then you have the main region, and the main region is the, the region surrounding Barcelona, uh, in the, with some subregions there too, but uh, there the main varieties are the Macabeo, Echarello, the Parellada, some, and Chardonnay and Pinot Noir as well and Tripat, and a few others, but these would be the most known ones. You need a map uh, to really uh, locate that, but clearly today, Cava, uh, in, the, in, the, in the near future, we are going to see on the labels for those wineries that want to, you know, to, to show uh, they think that's important for the consumer, will be shown uh, the region where the wines come from. So for us, it will be much more easy in the future to differentiate the different regions, uh, to get to know them, also to taste them, to find the different profile, tasting profiles, and then to, to choose, you know, I want a cava coming out of the region, I want a cava out of this region. So I think it's going to be a, a great advantage uh, and of interest, uh, something of real interest to the consumers in the coming year. Well, yes, it's hugely helpful to look at a map, but I thought you did very well to, to navigate us from the southwest to the northeast, and it is a fascinating region just because of that hugely disparate and varied nature of it. You referenced uh, the grape varieties there, and there are some varieties that are used which will be uh, very familiar to lovers of champagne. So you mentioned Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, but I mentioned in the introduction that there are the distinctive varieties that are... Uh, in my head at least, very Mediterranean. Those three, Charolo, 
uh, Paralada and Macabal. Um, could you explain, uh, for those of us who are not familiar with those varieties, could you just describe what each of them brings to the party, if you like? Yeah, the, the three different uh, varieties that uh, are the most, uh, as you say, it's uh, autochthonous varieties in the Mediterranean, and they do very well in Cava. Macabeo uh, tends to be a variety that uh, is considered to be the has body and gives substance to, to a sparkling wines. And it's used, all, it can be used by itself, but uh, uh, most of the times it is one of the great components of the cava to, to bring that, that, that body no? to, to the cava. Then you have the parillada, is, uh, it grows in, in different areas, but uh, when it reaches higher soils, uh, higher lands, it's very um, um, thin, light, and, and gives uh, freshness and lightness, you know, to a cava. And that's uh, one of the reasons why it's used by also some uh, wineries when, when they do the plants. And then you have charello. Charello is a variety that has uh, is uh, more aromatic, has a higher acidity and a higher capacity of longevity. So that's why you see quite a few cavas that are only made out of charello with the purpose of aging them. And also uh, charello, as I was saying, brings that acidity and it's a very good complement to the other two varieties. And you celebrate the importance of the traditional method in production and it's impossible to, to meet anyone who who makes kava, who, who doesn't uh, talk about uh, the importance of that uh, traditional method. Why is it used and why is it so uh, fundamental to the character of kava? Well, as you know, um, sparkling wine can be made in many different ways. You can uh, just take a wine and add some uh, bubbles uh, and then you would have, uh, I don't know if the English word would be gasified, wine but then you have other gas to 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 the to the wine and this mm -hmm. is a, a method but it doesn't bring much quality because the bubble and the wine they are not really they don't belong together you know they have just been connected there is another method that is very extended which is called a charmat method uh, and where you ferment you have the wine the base wine and then you go into the fermentation of that uh, wine uh, to produce, uh, you know, the, the, the sparkling wine, the bubbles. But it's done in, in, in big in big, big times, and uh, it, and as soon as it happens, uh, there is already bot uh, bottled that that the sparkling wine is already bottled. So there is no aging, and and the process comes in in, in bulk quantities. And then it comes the the, the traditional method. Uh, and the traditional method is the method where uh, you have the base wine, you put that into the, the same bottle and um, uh, into the bottle that the consumer will at the end consume, you know. And, uh, and there uh, is where the second fermentation happens in that second bottle. And uh, once the, the, the sparkling wine has been produced, it's also left together with the, with the, with the lees, uh, with the yeast. Uh, for a longer period of time, giving uh, aging and character to cavas. So the traditional method uh, for uh, sparkling wine lovers is being recognized uh, across the world 
as the most sophisticated and the one that produces wines that uh, you know they, they have more complexity and uh, and uh, and they bring um, more um, aromas and, and and is more rounded uh, to a sparkling wine and that's why the traditional method is always been chosen as as this qualitative method and uh, in Spain all the methods were developed a long long time ago but when uh, Cava started in 1872 and started with this method it's always been linked to this method and it's been very successful attached to this method and I'm very happy and proud about it. And just to be clear if it says Carver on the label uh, then it has to be traditional method. Exactly it has to be traditional method. Cava has uh, as a deal has uh, certain normatives and among the normatives what we have is that uh, a Cava has to be always being produced by the second fermentation happening in this bottle. And then according to the aging of the wine, and also the winemaker and the wines he puts inside this, there is more to this, but if you follow the aging pattern, uh, you would have then minimum aging requires nine months uh, for Cavas de Guarda, but then when you go a Guarda Superior, that's Reservas, Grande Reservas, and Cavas de Paraje, then the aging has to be from 18 months on, so longer aging. And that brings different complexity to the wines, different style to the styles to the wines. And uh, well, it's, it's a whole world of wine drinking and pleasure. You put it very well. Uh, you, you mentioned the Cava de Juada. That is part of a, a number of significant changes that you announced earlier this year. When I first met you at the Barcelona Wine uh, Fair just before the pandemic, you told me that there were you know, quite significant changes on the way. Uh, well, these were the changes. Tell us why you made them. Well, we, we made the changes because uh, Cava uh, has been very successful. It's, it's, uh, the reality is uh, uh, we should be very, very proud with Cava, you know, what he has achieved in a short period, if we can call it short, but... Uh, a period of time and you can find bottles all around the world but cava keeps uh, needs to be moving and uh, consumers uh, care about uh, what you were asking me before you know as uh, cava has one territory has more territories uh, do consumers do we consumers know where the grapes come from is the same thing a cava that has blended uh, grapes from all the different territories that one that has a specific territory so all these things are, are, are things that we know that consumers more and more care about the origin, the traceability of the wine, and that's something we can now give them, you know. Uh, and that's one of the major changes, putting origins to our cava, allowing our winemakers to distinguish their wines, the sparkling wines, the profiles linked to the origin, you know. And that, in fact, what you do is also you bring the vineyards to the front. You bring the, 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 the land to the front because now we'll be able to attach the vineyards, the grapes to the, to the wood, to the wine consumption. So that was an important step. The second step is we have also added uh, more hierarchy to Cava. Uh, we already had some hierarchy because we have 
Cavas, that was one uh, step. You had Cavas Reserva, you had Cavas Gran Reserva, and then you had Cavas de Paraje. So uh, you had these different Cavas. But what we have done is we have made a sort of uh, uh, kept the Cavas as, as they are. Now they are called Cava de Guarda. And the name Guarda is been added because maybe not in all the languages it will be uh, easily understood, but within time we believe it will. Guarda means that that cava has been aged at least for nine months in the bottle. And that's already a big step. You're not talking about, as I was saying before, a sparkling wine that's been produced, uh, fermented in a tank or in a different way in a short period of time and has not been left in the bottle aging. So this one has been aging. So it's a Cava de Guarda. And then we have the Guarda Superior. And here we have more specific normative, like all those Cavas de Guarda Superior, and that's starting with Reserva and, and above. They all need to have lower yields. Uh, the uh, they, uh, yields, in this regard, I'm talking about the vineyards. The vineyards have uh, grapes, and uh, each vineyard may have different yields. So here, what you do is you put a top to the yields for those cavas de, de guarda superior because uh, that make them, you know, uh, uh, more concentrated uh, aromas and, 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 uh, and cavas. We also, what we do is they need to be sustainable. It's an important part of what the DO is going and moving because we know that consumers care about sustainability too. So they are ecological, they need to be ecological vineyards. They need to be vintage cavas. And there are a few other small things, you know, the normatives that makes those cavas that can be considered regarded as guarda because they have been aging for a long period of time and superior because they have all these uh, 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 demanding uh, normative uh, attached to them. And you are going completely organic at a uh, superior level of uh, Cava de Quada uh, by 2025, I think. Uh, what's that all about? What, that's quite a demanding, quite a bold move. Well, uh, it is. But uh, I think uh, it's come a time that, uh, you know, we need to, to do some bold moves because, you know, there are many things that in our lives that we now care, that we didn't care, or we're so much aware as consumers. A few years ago, we heard about the, the planet and its uh, uh, problems, how sometimes we, we abuse, explore, uh, how, how you say, you know, abuse the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and the ecological way is a gentle way uh, to produce uh, a, a vineyard, the vines and the grapes. It's the most gentle way. And so we have gone organic. Uh, we cannot do yet it for the whole region uh, because you, you need a transitional period. But yes, with Cava de Guarda Superior, all those uh, grapes that go into Cava de Guarda Superior will have to come from uh, organic. And that's a big step, but I think it's a step, as I was saying before, that cares about our land, cares about our territory, cares about what we do, uh, you know, method that we want to produce with the most quality as possible. And, and on top of this, I think consumers more and more are uh, starting to, to look into this uh, 
things uh, and want to consume them. One of the things that I most enjoy tasting uh, is uh, Brut Nature Carver. I think probably because you have the sunshine for, for ripe fruit, you get a lovely fruit intensity, which I, I, I'm guessing makes it perhaps easier, if, if, if easier is a word in, in terms of making sparkling wine, because it's very difficult to make. But you get uh, these Brut Nature styles that are really you know, beautiful. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, this is a no dosage, so sort of no, no sugar added at, the, at that stage of the, the process. Is Brut Nature something that you're seeing growing as a category in Carver? It is. It really, it, it's a growing category, as you said before, as no dosage, and the Cava is it's as pure as it can be, you know, and, uh, and has captured the mind of many consumers. And um, it's very much extended already in, uh, in Spain, uh, and outside, slowly, uh, outside, I mean internationally, slowly, because people need yet to be explained about what nature is, and it is. But uh, it's, it's a style that's uh, growing a lot, and is very typical of Cava, because uh, one of the nice things that we have in our region is that uh, uh, we don't have... Uh, uh, our acidity uh, is not very, very high. And so you can have uh, uh, Cava's with no dosage, and, uh, and yet they, they are balanced. And the Brun Nature is one example of this. Which brings us neatly on to food pairing, because uh, I love being in Barcelona and going to those uh, Cava bars where you get um, a, a whole menu of different uh, uh, Cava's to, to choose from and some absolutely fantastic food pairings. I mean, I think Barcelona's food culture is is, is very well known and, and well understood. Uh, Cava and gastronomy uh, pair together you know, very well, don't they? Um, it does. Uh, cava is, uh, uh, we call it, I don't know it in English, in Spanish it would be versatile. So in English, I, I guess it would be versatile. I'm not sure if that's a word. But yes. certainly, cava, uh, yes, good. <laughs> Combines very well with food. Maybe because of it, the acidity I was talking before, maybe because of its Mediterranean uh, taste and flavors, but it does very well with food and uh, with all kinds of foods. Um, it can be, it can work with aperitif, but also with different cuisines. It works very well with tapas. In Spain, you know that people, and in Barcelona, we enjoy going out and then uh, sharing dishes. So we order small uh, different dishes and we share them, like sort of tapas, uh, at food as well. And then you can uh, taste very different combinations. And, uh, and cava goes very well uh, with all that. Uh, clearly, aperitifs, seafood, rice, which is, is very, very typical with us. But then you can also go to Japanese cuisine, uh, sushi, sashimi, but many of the things that Japanese cuisine can bring to us, Mexican cuisine, Chinese, all kinds of cuisines. And, uh, and, and I think that is one of the great uh, uh, moments uh, of, uh, you know, enjoying that food and then at the same time with a glass of cava. And do you have a favourite? I know you're not allowed to have a favourite cava because you represent them all, but um, do you have a favourite food pairing with cava? 
Well, uh, it's just because I'm a fan of, uh, on weekends, I love paellas and rice, you know? So, uh, because I love paellas and rice, um, I cannot have a, a paella without a cava. It, it would be like uh, something would be missing to the paella, you know? Like, there are ingredients to the paella that needs to be there to make it a great arroz, you know, a great paella, different styles of paellas. I need a cava there, so... Yes, cava goes very well at that time. And also to me, when I, before, before lunch uh, or a dinner, if I can have a glass of cava in my hand and slowly sipping that cava, you know, and, and enjoying it, it just puts me into a state of my mind is ready to enjoy the food, the atmosphere, my friends, the company, everything. So I think that... Uh, Yes, those are great moments to me with Cava. Well, I very much hope that you get your uh, dream pairing of paella and uh, Cava this weekend. Um, Javier Pages, thank you very much indeed uh, for sharing uh, your passion for Cava and the changes that uh, the DO have, have made. It's been really uh, illuminating. So thank you very much for joining us on The Drinking Hour. Th thank you very much, David, for uh, you know uh, allowing me to, to speak and talk about Cava and uh, hopefully to you know to people can learn more about this and uh, thank you very much again uh, a pleasure to be here thank Bye -bye. you in a moment we'll have the first of our recommendations from the iwsc hall of fame but first here's news of another food fm program you might love thank you david i'm jenny linford from food fm and i'm exploring the world of cheese from brie to parmesan and everything in between so after enjoying the drinking hour why not listen to my series a slice of cheese you can find it on your podcast platform and foodfmradio.com now back to david and the drinking hour the drinking hour on food fm you're listening to the drinking hour with david kermode in association with the international wine and spirit competition using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. We're celebrating Carver Discovery Week on this week's edition. And very shortly, we're going to speak to a real expert in Carver, Dercio Viana Jr. He's a master of wine. We know him as Junior. He's on the judging committee at the IWSC. And we're going to find out why he's excited about Carver. But first, it's time for our inaugural selection of IWSC medal winning wines for this week. And of course, it's dedicated to Carver, with these winners successful in the Northern Hemisphere judging earlier this year. Where better to start than a gold medal winner? Josep Valls, Grand Reserva Extra Brut 2014, a blend of the three classic Carver grapes, Charolo, Macabo and Paralada, that uh, Javier Pages was talking about uh, earlier on. Uh, awarding their gold medal, the judges said of this Grand Reserva, a Creamy Tarto Citron nose lead to a bright, zesty palette of grapefruit and commis pear. Lovely, clean fruit with pretty expression. Next, we have a silver medal winner with a very distinctive name. One plus one equals three. Reserva Familia Blanc de Noir Brut Nature Non Vintage from Yumez Yufan Trez. Quite a mouthful, and this is a Brut Nature that uh, I was getting very excited about just now. 100% Pinot Noir, very much a modern style. Uh, the judges clearly appreciated it, saying uh, a beautiful aromatic example with notes of fresh orchard fruit, chamomile and honeysuckle. Refreshing acidity enlivens the palate. 
And if you want to get hold of that, it's at vinissimus.co.uk. And finally, for this selection, a bronze medal winner, Jay Garcia Carrion, semi-seco, non-vintage. This is an off-dry style, so no doubt great with uh, some of those spicy uh, Asian uh, dishes that uh, Javier was uh, referring to when we were chatting pairings just now. Uh, the judges said, aromas of elderflower blossom and tart quince, a characterful palette of lemon zest and white peach. And that one's available at winestyle.co.uk. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. It's a Drinking Hour Carver special this week to mark Carver Discovery Week. And it's time to welcome an expert with a real appreciation of Carver. Dersiu Viana Jr. is a master of wine, a consultant and a critic, and a member of the IWSC's Wine Judging Committee, keeping us on the straight and narrow as we assess the wines. Uh, we call him Junior, which is somewhat ironic, given that his role is senior, really. Uh, but he doesn't mind being called Junior. He's effectively Junior Senior, if that makes sense. Anyway, enough. Junior, welcome back to The Drinking Hour. David, thank you for having me back. Thank you for the great introduction. And I'm looking forward to sharing my uh, knowledge of cover with you and your listeners. Great. All right. Well, um, let's start with um, the kind of role of, of Carver, because last time I spoke to you on the drinking hour in series two, I think it was, uh, we talked about the wines of Portugal and we talked about the fact that they were arguably underappreciated sometimes and that they punched above their price point in terms of quality. And I reckon we could say the same thing about Carver, couldn't we? Yeah, to, to a certain extent, yes, Carver is sometimes misunderstood and underappreciated. It does have a very important role to play, in my view, uh, in the sparkling wine market. Uh, but it's, you ha we have to take into account that 90% of, of, um, of the sales are from, from basic cover. So we, we talked about, I'm sure you talked about earlier with Javier about the, all, the, all the different uh, types of cover and the new legislation. But 90% is still cover the guarda, the cover the guarda. The Achilles heel of, uh, let's start being honest, the Achilles heel of, of Carver has been the, the quality of the lesser producers and the association with the, with the uh, less expensive wine. I don't like to, to use the word cheap, but it's, it's been associated with cheap sparkling wine. And I know all the work that's been done, the terrific work that the, the Dior has been doing. But um, there is an element uh, to balance the argument. There is a, a, a little bit of from the outside, a little bit of a lack of cohesion, uh, a lot of changes in regulations, um, and it becomes uh, quite complicated. And there are too many layers for, for even for a master of wine or for a journalist. I was speaking to a, to a, 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 a buyer the other day from a well-known multiple retailer, and I said, and she's a sparkling wine buyer. I said, do you know? Can you give an update uh, take of what's happening in? In, in Spain, in all the, the cover sector and coping art and everything else. And the person said, no, it's just, it, it, it gets so convoluted that sometimes people just switch off. And this is the danger. So um, those are the negatives, but in terms of the positives, they, they can make some, because of the operational efficiencies they have and the more benign climate, they can make some exceptionally good value for money uh, cover. And this is what we are, uh, we need to get the public to, to understand. It's a really good point, and it drives me mad when people 
bundle it together with Prosecco. People say Prosecco or Cava, and they are very, very different. We've already heard from Javier Pages about uh, the way in which Cava is made and how different that is to Prosecco. That traditional method is really fundamental to the identity of Cava, isn't it? Well, I think it's it's a, a, an important thing for, for us uh, in the industry. Okay, we, we, uh, we know what uh, the difference between Prosecco and, and Cava and Champagne. I, I dare say most people in the street may not know, but uh, it's quite important that Cava differentiates itself from Prosecco because Cava is made uh, in a traditional method and it has a, a, an association with champagne, which is, in terms of marketing, is very, very important and uh, and completely different than Prosecco that it's made in, in, uh, in a tank uh, and, and a completely different style. I mean, Prosecco is lighter, uh, fruit forward and easier to drink to an extent. And uh, champagne and cava have the potential to be uh, much more uh, complex. But having said that, uh, I don't like to say there, there is also a misunderstanding in, in, in by a lot of people think as soon as you mention tank method, uh, uh, people think, oh, the quality is not as good. It's not actually, it's not the method itself. Uh, it's actually the quality of the base wine. So if you, if you get a really good base wine and you do a tank method uh, uh, with precision uh, and you, you can actually achieve a very good sparkling wine. So not all spark, not all tank methods are bad. But we're talking about cava. Cava, to be very clear, is traditional method. In my opinion, is the best way to make sparkling wine. Why? Because it's the, the, the second fermentation happens in the bottle. I don't go, I don't want to get too technical, but all the chemical reactions after the yeast dies happens in a very small space. There is a, a, a small uh, ratio between the, the, the lees and, and the liquid, and that creates what the what in technical terms we call autolysis in in lame terms is just a reaction between the dead uh, yeast and the liquid that gives those beautiful uh, brioche uh, toasty notes that we come to associate with good quality cover and good sparkling uh, and champagne it's a good sparkling wine and champagne I talked about it uh, being the sparkling wine of the Med in the intro, and you referenced just now that benign climate and uh, what that gives to the uh, grapes. Um, just um, talk about the how the grape varieties they use there. Obviously, there are a couple that are associated with Champagne, uh, mm -hmm. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and then there are three that are are very uh, distinctive uh, to that, that region, Charolo, Macaba and Paralada. Um, just explain how the varieties give it that different Mediterranean character. Macabeo, Salelo and Paralada. Let's be completely honest. They are not the most characterful and the mo not the most... Uh, they don't have the huge personality as uh, uh, Melon de Bourgogne or Gros Plan in, 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 in Loire or Bourgogne Ligoté or Welsh Riesling. Those are more neutral varieties. And I'll put those three varieties more on a neutral, neutral spectrum. And there's nothing wrong with it because uh, in that case, it's, it's, uh, that's what you need for a base wine. You don't want a wine, especially with it's going to age in the bottle for up to 36 months, if not longer. You don't want, you don't need masses of personality. So same thing with Chardonnay and Pinot and, and Pinot Meunier or in Champagne. When you pick and you pick early, they don't have massive amount of character. They have small, uh, small differences. In case of Maccabeo, for example, I picked the lovely citrus and, and floral notes. Maccabeo, by the way, is the most planted variety 
in, 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 uh, for, to, 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 to make kava. Uh, it's very delicate. It's got a lovely balance between uh, acidity and fruit. Then you have um, Xarello, which is the second most planted and is native to, to the Penedes region. It's got thicker skin. And then I think here you have more personality. It has a little bit more, uh, more acidity. And I sometimes pick lovely notes of citrus, fruits, some apples, and some floral notes. I actually tasted some decent um, steel wines made 100% by Saralo and actually liked it very, very much. So it, it, it can make really good uh, steel white wine. Then you have Parialada, which is the third most planted variety. It's quite high yielding. And with Parialada, I associate lovely texture. So, and also notes of citrus and notes of pear and notes of apples. But I think Parialada is more texture. Uh, Sarello uh, is, is more acidity and Maccabeo is lovely citrus in floral notes. Don't forget also there are other unusual varieties like uh, uh, Subira and Trepa and also Monastrel and Grenache and as you mentioned uh, Chardonnay and Pinot. So there were quite a different uh, number of varieties there but the main ones is the one that we just talked about Maccabeo, Sarello and, and Parelada. We heard about the significant changes to the way that uh, Carva is, is regulated, mm. longer aging, more detail on the labels, uh, organic at the uh, superior Garda superior level from 2025. Mm. Uh, and of course, many of those producers are already doing that, actually. Um, why do you think the Dio Carva made these quite significant changes? David, let's uh, answer this question looking at today, what's happening today. Then we can go back, go back to the past and, and, and try to understand. Today, the year-to-date cover, thanks to, to my good friend, uh, Pier Paolo Petrassi, the uh, head of Wines and Spirits at Waitrose, was very kind to share some uh, up-to-date figures of uh, the sparkling wine markets in the UK. And the good news is that cover is in growth of 4.9% uh, year-to-date which sounds amazing, sounds incredible, and it is good, it's good news. But if you take into account the sparkling white market is up by 16.7%, uh, then you realize cover is growing, but the, the whole sparkling white market is, go is, is growing much faster. And if you compare that with Cremant, for example, Cremant, it's, uh, the, the year-to-date growth is up by 84%. And that, if you uh, take today's figures, and if you continue with that growth, Cremant will catch cover uh, sales in, in the next three years. So why did they change the regulation? I think they needed to, because as I said earlier, I think the, the quality of the lesser uh, producer was, was bringing everyone down. That's, that's, that's one of the things. And, 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 the, and the good guys, the, the good producers uh, that you know, uh, Hoovey, Camps, Gramona, uh, and all the, all the big, uh, big houses, they, uh, some of the houses start to, to come out of, of the DO and, 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 and branch out to all different things, uh, Corpinat and, and uh, the guys from Penedes. So uh, they had to do something. They, they had to, to, to refresh and reinvent themselves. I think they, do, they did a, a good job. The point now is they need cohesion. They need to work together. And, they, and what, what we, I think what we want as professional, what the consumer wants, what we want as professional is now it's just let's get on with it. Let's, let's, uh, hopefully this is stable and, the, and, and there's not too many more changes going forward. Because as I said earlier, people do switch off if there's too many changes. So that's from, from, uh, from our side, from professionals. From the consumer, what the consumer wants is just a, just a good, 
great value for money uh, sparkling wine from Spain. And that's, that's we know Cava is capable of, of delivering. Let's talk about some of those styles of Cava because uh, I mentioned to Javier uh, earlier on that I, I get very excited by the Brut Nature styles. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is something about the fruit, probably the ripeness of the fruit, you'd know better than me, uh, that makes it uh, a natural fit uh, for Brut Nature. Because sometimes, even though zero dosage is something that excites me, I can mm -hmm. find in Champagne and it, it, that it can be really quite austere. Whereas when I've tried Brut Nature in Cava, it just seems to work really well. Yeah, I think, uh, again, let's look from, from, from the top. Uh, styles have changing. I'm, talking, I'm not even talking about uh, Cava, I'm talking about wines in general. Styles have changed globally to, 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 to looking more for, for harmony and, and, and more elegance. In, within this context, Yes, we've seen wines that are slightly fresher, slightly leaner, and so on. I also I have my doubts that the the, the, the consumer in in the in the street is actually looking for those wines that are high in acid and so on. I I'm not so certain. Having said that, I spoke to the, to a to a buyer of a retailer not long ago, and the person said, "Yet covers in grow in growth, but the sales of the fresher styles." have increased uh, more than, than, than the others. So yeah, actually, I, I was surprised because I thought the consumer does like a little bit of residual sugar. We know most of the champagne have 10 grams, if not more, uh, and the consumer doesn't even, uh, they're they not even able to, 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 to find the sweetness because the sweetness there is just to balance the, the high acidity. So uh, I think with cava, it's because, as you mentioned, the climate is, is warmer, the, the fruit is slightly riper, the acidity is, is, is lower. It's, I think it's easier, it's more approachable, uh, it's more friendly for the consumer to, to have those, those brute nature styles. So I think it works, it works very, very well. And also one thing that we haven't uh, uh, spoke about is right at the top of, of, the, of, the, of the cava, which is the cava de guarda superior, the paraje calificado. The first time I tasted it was the end of November 2017, and I was completely blown away by the quality of, of those wines. Completely blown away. I thought to myself after the tasting, uh, it was only about eight, nine producers at the time, I think. And I, I came out of there, I said, okay, at least out of those nines, three or four of those, I will put in a, in a, in a, in a lineup with the top champagnes and they will be able to, to send side by side without any problem. So the, 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 the potential is certainly there to make great quality. The potential is certainly there to make those brute nature styles. And it seems by uh, my conversation with, with retail buyers that the, the, the consumer are more and more appreciating those fresher styles. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually, because uh, I had a, a similar kind of revelatory moment, uh, an epiphany when I, I tasted, uh, I think it was from Juve Camp, Paraje Calificado, and the, the top tier that you mentioned, the top category uh, of uh, Superior. And it absolutely sort of blew my mind. Really, really fantastic. Um, are they, uh, do you think, those top tier covers, are they a, um, a tougher sell at all? This is, I mean, if you look at the stats, uh, I am pretty certain, I don't have it in front of me now, but the, the, the basic uh, cover, the cover de guarda that spends by, by, by law nine months on lease, I am pretty certain that accounts for uh, between 90 and 95% of the total sales without any question. Again, the, from, from the figures that I, I had from Pierpaolo, there are the, the own label, 
this is something interesting. The on-label market uh, for Kava accounts for 68% of all the Kava sales. So the on-label, all the supermarkets uh, you, you, they, in the UK, they all, I mean, they, they account for 68%. And going back to the international wine spirits competition uh, um, results, which I had a quick look, a quick pick at yesterday, you actually see why, because a lot of the metal uh, uh, a lot. All the retailers they 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 take it quite seriously. You see a lot of medal winning wines from uh, their own label covers, so, uh, bronze and silver medals. So the quality of the of the bottom end is there. The, the sales of the bottom end is there. But to answer your question about the top the top end, no questions. They are much much harder to sell. It's a different audience. This is a white tablecloth. This is a, a small shop retailer. Is a is a one to one to one exercise. David, this is something that you and you take it to a party with your friends at the weekend, and 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 you blindfold them, and you and you and, and you and you serve them, and you 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 and everyone will say this is absolute top quality champagne, and and you realize wow, this is actually from Spain. This is Cava. So this it, it that is how good Cava is capable of of being. But no question, they are much, much harder to sell, and and it will be a, a significant less uh, proportion of the sales for sure. How did you know I blindfold my friends when they come around for dinner? <laughs> it's obviously people are telling tales clearly. Um, let's talk about um, the the gastronomic side because the food culture in Barcelona is amazing, and those carver bars are exhilarating and fantastic. Loads of people go to Barcelona uh, when, when they can travel, and and uh, loads of people will have experienced that, I'm sure, who are listening now. But um, what are your kind of favourite pairings with carver? I think let's go without over. Let's let's give a simple answer, and then I'll give a more slightly more elaborate answer. What I think was sparkling wine, David, a good quality, really quality sparkling wine, nothing crazy. I always think about salmon and smoked salmon. I don't know why. For me, it's, 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 I see sparkling wine, I see smoked salmon. That, so that's my my answer, my quick answer. Now let's go back and break it into into cover categories. If you talk about cover the guy, nine nine months on lease. What do you get? You get a, a, a light, fresh, lean style with some delicate citrus fruit. For that, I, I just go into, into some ceviche. I love ceviche or some sashimi or some, something like that. I think it works pretty well. Then I level up from there. You go to a reserve. A reserve, they spend 18 months on lease. And here, as I said earlier, you begin to see those lovely uh, brioche, uh, nutty, toasty notes, a little bit more serious, as you would do in a champagne. That for me screams smoked salmon, as I said earlier. That would be my my go-to. And if you go with a Grand Reserve, a Grand Reserve is 30 months um, on on uh, on its uh, lease. You got much more personality. You got those biscuity hazelnuts, uh, honey, sometimes caramelly notes. Uh, here is you, uh, you can begin to think about something with more substance, maybe even. A, a pasta dish that is not too heavy, or a lighter meat dish, and then you go to the great uh, Cava de Paraje, and uh, especially if they are aged and and there's some dried fruits and nutty notes, anything would, that's really rich with umami flavors would work well. I'm gonna come as, uh, uh, out on Cava now. I'll tell you my the, one of the best food matches I have ever remember in my life has been. Uh, Dom Perignon 1959 with balsamic vi balsamic uh, vinegar and olive oil ice cream. It, so imagine a very very old Dom Perignon 1959 with uh, with balsamic oil 
and, and olive oil, uh, balsamic vinegar and olive oil ice cream. So it can withstand those really incredible umami rich flavors. So if a champagne can do that, an old cava with some age can really go into some uh, in, into another dimension. And when you sit on a table in some uh, high-end champagne house in Epernio uh, and they tell you, oh, we're gonna have the whole meal and you're gonna be uh, having with champagne. And you look at the menu and you see fish, obviously. Then you start looking at lamb and, and beef. I say, how can how, Are you kidding me? You're going to uh, uh, put some, some lamb with champagne. And believe it or not, it, it, it can work well together. But it has to be a, a, a champagne with a lot, of, a lot of characters, some age, a lot of time on leaves. And so um, I, I've, I've answered that with champagne in mind, but now I'm going to go back to cava and a good cava de parache with some age with those dried fruits, nutty, brioche, and so on. You can go into like a pasta dish with lots of seafood or any seafood risotto, or, or as I said earlier, even with some meat dishes. So that's cover for whatever you like, from, even from, from having a simple glass to refresh to something quite serious. Yeah, well, next week is Carver Discovery Week. So I think you've given anyone listening a good excuse to do some carver discovery with those uh, potential pairings. Uh, Junior, it's always a great pleasure to chat to you. I look forward to at some point enjoying a, a nice bottle of Paraje Calificado with you uh, for the moment. Thank you very much for talking to us on The Drinking Hour. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity, David. I look forward to my next uh, contribution. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Okay, let's wrap up with another selection to savour, medal-winning carvers from this year's International Wine and Spirit Competition, sponsors of this programme, of course. Uh, First of all, uh, a silver medal winner, Giro del Gornair, Reserva Brut Nature Non-Vintage, made with those traditional carver grape varieties we've been talking about, uh, Macabao, Charolo and Paralada, uh, vinified as a crisp, fresh, brut nature, the style that uh, I was saying I find so exciting. Uh, awarding their silver medal, the judges said, savoury in style with a nose of smoky mineral notes, leading to a palette of crab apple, lemongrass and quince. Excellent structure and balance. And that one's at gastronics.co.uk Next, a bronze medal winner, Marque de la Concordia Monistrol Selección Especial Rosé Brut Non-Vintage Rosé style, as you might have guessed, made with Monistrel, which is Mouverde, if you know that uh, grape variety from France, uh, and also Pinot Noir. Uh, Awarding their medal, the judges said raspberry, cherry, mandarin and apple scented, creamy mousse, lactic cheese notes, well-balanced and quaffable. And that one's at totalwine.com. And finally, a bronze medal winner that's easily available at your local supermarket at a really very reasonable price as well. Asda Casa Louis Cava Brut, which is made for them by Jaume Serra. Uh, The judges described it this way, a round, well-balanced style with peach and apricot notes and a crisp, fresh finish and it's a crisp fresh finish from me as well now because that's it for another edition of the drinking hour our carver special to mark carver discovery week all next week 
Uh, thank you to my guests, uh, Javier and Junior. Uh, you can follow us at Food FM Radio on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Mr. Venusaurus on Instagram and Twitter. Do join us next time. For now, goodbye. The Drinking Hour on Food FM.